Well, there go my plans to preach verse by verse through the book of Revelation, so we'll... Um, what, a, what a great and exciting word for you as a congregation this morning, and I know you will be much in prayer over what's going to take place here over the next couple of weeks. If you have your copy of God's Word with you, let me invite you to open to the book of Judges. We're going to be looking together this morning at the life of Samson. And uh, if you want to pull up a message guide, you can do that on your phone. If you'll text 313131 and type in the word message. Is that it? Okay. Then you can pull that up and follow, follow along. You know, we all admire strong people, don't we? People who seem to have it all together. People who don't crumble in a crisis. People who don't quit when the going gets tough. People who aren't rattled by their circumstances. People who always seem to have everything under control. Well, Samson was a strong guy. In fact, he was the strongest man who ever lived physically. Physically, he was incredibly strong, but spiritually, he was a weakling. Spir uh, physically, he was sort of the, uh, what's that guy, the rock? I'll call that guy. You know, physically, but spiritually, he was more like a Mr. Bean, you know, or a, <laughs> if, you, if you know who that is. Peter Drucker, who wrote the uh, well-known book that, that many business colleges and courses use, entitled The Effective Executive, said this, and I quote, listen to this, every time you meet a person with great strengths, that person also has great weaknesses. Now, we've all seen that, haven't we? We're all familiar with the celebrities, the athletes, the politicians, even, unfortunately, the spiritual leaders in our land who have had great strengths, but who also had a great weakness that was ultimately their downfall. Samson's life is, is, is so contemporary because he was one of those people. Listen, he had the potential to be a superstar for God. From birth, he had been set aside to do great things for God. I want you to listen to the prologue of Samson's life. It's found in chapter 13 of the book of Judges, beginning with verse 2. Follow along. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful, drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. What a prologue. Samson was a miracle child. You realize that? Born to a woman who was barren, unable to have 
children. And he was given a great mission to deliver God's people from the hands of one of their greatest enemies, the Philistines. He had everything, listen, he had everything going for him. Good looks, strength, incredible strength, a godly family, the blessings of God upon his life. But he blew it. He blew it. And the problem in wasting his potential, the worst of it was that Samson was his own worst enemy. So this morning, what I want to do in looking at his, you know, somebody said, it's good to learn from your mistakes. It's better to learn from the mistakes of others before you make the mistake. I want you to take that to heart this morning. You can grow from learning your mis- from your mistakes, but it is much better to avoid those mistakes by looking to see how those worked out in the life of someone else and not making those same mistakes yourself. I want to share with you this morning three things that weakened Samson's life. This guy of incredible potential and strength, but whose life was incredibly weak. Three things that weakened Samson's life, three things that will weaken your life and my life if we allow them to. And here's the first one. You ready? Self-indulgence. Self-indulgence. Self-indulgence will weaken my life. Now, when I talk about self-indulgence, what I mean is a lack of self-control. I'm talking about undisciplined living. Because you see, anything that is uncontrolled in your life will weaken you. Anything. It can be the way you spend your money. It can be the way you spend your time. It can be sex. It can be food. It can be your emotions. Some some of us just have a hard time controlling our emotions. Some of us can't control our tongues, our speech, anything left uncontrolled in your life will weaken your life. Samson happened to have a weakness for women. There is no doubt about it. He was the playboy of the Bible. His life was a pathetic cycle. If you look at verses 1 through 3 of chapter 14, we'll see this first encounter that Samson had. It says, Samson said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, But isn't there an acceptable woman among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. Now now listen to this. Samson sees this woman, goes to his dad, get her. She's the right one for me. Now, in the original Hebrew of the Old Testament, literally, Samson is saying, get her for me because she pleases me. You see, all Samson was considering here 
was what pleased him. It was all about what he wanted. It didn't matter that as a Nazarite, he had taken a vow not to marry an unbeliever. It didn't matter that God's word said to him, don't marry an unbeliever. It didn't matter that he didn't matter that he had taken a vow not to marry an unbeliever. It didn't matter that his parents warned him, please don't marry this woman. You need to find someone from our own people. No, Samson, all he knew was what he wanted. And he was going to get it. He was self-indulgent, uncontrolled, undisciplined. He said, I've got to have this. I've got to do this. I've got to experience this. Self-indulgence. Now, let me give you a principle for strong living. Here's the lesson. Write it down. Strong people discipline their desires. Strong people discipline their desires. Now, folks, as I stand here this morning, I realize that is not a very popular thing to say. That is not a popular truth today. Because today, here's the fact. People think, if I want it, I can get it. If I want it, I can do it. If I want it, I'm going to experience it. And that's the way a lot of us think. Even, even, even within the church of Jesus Christ, too many times we don't check with God. We don't check with his word. We don't check with what he has to say. We don't ask, God, is this part of your plan for my life? Is this part of your will for me? No. We just know what we want. We know what we like. We know how we are. And boy, can we rationalize it. Well, preacher, you know, this is just just one little weakness, one little indulgence, one area of my life that I just seem to keep giving into, one small thing, preacher, that I can't seem to change. One small little thing. It may seem like a little thing to you. And hey, maybe it is a little thing if you compare it to some other things. But are you ready for a truth this morning? Just something I need to say to you, something I hope you'll hear. Not unique to me. I've heard it said. You've heard it said. But I want you to hear it again. The smallest leak will sink the biggest ship. You understand that? You know what that means? The smallest leak will sink the biggest ship. Doesn't matter what size the leak is, the only variable is time. The only question is when. If you don't fix a leak in a ship, that ship is going to sink. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow, but eventually that small leak will sink that huge ship. The little things in life, my friend, are just as important as the bigger things if they are out of control in your life. 
Now, I want you to look at some verses with me in Galatians chapter 6. You probably know them, familiar with them. Would you hear them in this context? Paul writing says, don't be misled. Remember that you cannot ignore God and get away with it. Listen to that. See, see we, we don't get this. You cannot ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, he will be planting seeds of evil, and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. Do you hear that? You are going to reap what you sow. Even if what you sow seems like a small thing. I heard somebody a long time ago talk about the laws of sowing and reaping. There were three of them. Sitting in your message guide, this is a freebie. Laws of sowing and reaping. Number one, you will sow a lot later than you reap. Number two, you will sow a lot more. I mean, you will reap a lot more than you sow. Did I get the first one right to it or did I get it backwards? You will, you will sow, you will sow, you will reap a lot more than you will sow. You will reap a lot more than you will sow, number one. Number two, you will reap a lot more than you sow. And number three, you will reap a lot more expense than you sow. I hope you'll hear those truths today. See, you, you may not see it today, you may not see it tomorrow. You're going to reap it, but it might be a lot later than you sow it. And it's going to be a lot more than you sowed, and it's going to cost you a lot more than you sowed. See, we, we don't think that way. But that is Satan's lie to make us think, hey, I'm a believer, so I can do whatever I want to do, and it won't weaken my life. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Please hear that. You will reap what you sow. Look at Proverbs 25, 28. It says, A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. That's the truth. If you can't control your desires, you're headed for trouble. Strong people discipline their desires. The question they ask is not, what do I want? What pleases me? But the question they ask is, God, what do you want and what pleases you? Because self-indulgence will weaken my life. Number one. Number two, bitterness will weaken my life. Bitterness will weaken my life. There's one thing amazing, if you, if you read through chapters 13, 14, 15, etc. of Judges and story of Samson's life, you're going to see this guy lived in a constant state of anger and resentment. He was always upset about something. He was always reacting violently to other people and to his circumstances. He was a hothead. He had an explosive temper. And his primary motivation in life seems to be to get even, to seek revenge 
on people and things that he perceived had wronged him. In Judges chapter 14, for example, this isn't in your message guide, but read the chapter, you'll see that Samson went out and he killed 30 men just to get their clothes. All right, that's bitterness. But look at, look at this verse, uh, verse 3 of chapter 15. Samson said, This time I have the right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. Verse 7 of that same chapter. He says, since you've acted like this, I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. Verse 11 of chapter 15. Here we find the typical excuse of a very weak person. Where Samson says, I merely did to them what they did to me. See... This was Samson's modus operandi. This was the way the guy lived his life. Not acting, but reacting. And when you do that, when you spend your life reacting to other people, instead of making your own choices, it's going to weaken your life. Here's the lesson. Strong people restrain their reactions. Strong people restrain their reactions. They discipline their desires and they restrain their reactions. Proverbs 29, 22. Look at that verse. An angry person causes trouble. A person with a quick, quick temper sins a lot. Did you know that? A person with a quick temper sins a lot. Verse 32 of Proverbs chapter 16. Contrast, a person who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and the one who rules his spirit greater than one who takes a city. Listen, you have got far better things to do with your life, and I've got far better things to do with my life than to spend our time stewing, being bitter about our circumstances, being resentful, angry about something somebody said, something somebody did. And I'm telling you, you can get to the point where you're absolutely paralyzed by that. If you're truly a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, your life should be patterned after His life. And He never reacted like that, never and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you've been given a mission. And i got to tell you, you can't be busy about that mission if you're consumed with how you're going to react and respond to the things people do to you, to the things people say about you, or if you explode about the circumstances that confront you. Strong people don't react. They act. They're in control. They know what's really important in life, and they get on with following Christ and carrying out the mission that He has given to us. So, self-indulgence will weaken my life. Bitterness will weaken my life. Third and last, Carelessness will weaken my life. Carelessness will weaken my life. Judges chapter 16, we find the best and most well-known incident from Samson's life. This is probably what we know about Samson more than anything else. It's the story 
of how Delilah took Samson to the barber shop. Okay, we, we know the story. Let me just refresh our memories, though. And you can follow along in the text or in your message guide. Verses 5 and 6 of chapter 16. Let me paraphrase this for you. The Philistines came to Delilah one day and they said, hey, if you'll find out the, Sam, the secret of Samson's great strength, this guy's just doing a number on us. He's, he's killing us off. He's keeping us from doing what we want to be doing. If you'll just discover the secret of Samson's great strength, hey, we'll pay you 25,000 bucks. Well, Delilah was a very treacherous person. So she said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And, and she tries here in this chapter several times to find out Samson's secret. What was it that gave him his great strength? Do you know what Samson did? He played a game with Delilah. He teased her. He just said, I'm going to have some fun with this thing. So in, in verses 7 through 9, after Delilah comes and says, ask for the secret of his great strength, he said, okay, I'll tell you. If you tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I'll be as weak as anyone else. So Delilah says, I got him. So she puts Samson to bed. She ties him up with these seven bowstrings. She calls out to the Philistines and says, come and get him. But Samson wakes up. He, he breaks those bowstrings, snaps them like they're pieces of thread, and he drives off the Philistines. And Delilah says, you tricked me. You don't love me. I asked you to tell me something, and you just lied to me. So Samson says, okay, here now we're down to verses 11 and 12. Here's the secret. This time I'll tell you. It's new ropes. New ropes. If you'll just tie me up with, with new ropes, I'll never be strong again. So Delilah puts Samson to bed, ties him up with new ropes, calls the Philistines, hey, come and get him. But Samson wakes up, snaps the ropes, beats up the Philistines, and Delilah says, you did it again. You tricked me. You lied to me. I don't think you love me. So Samson says, okay, honey, here, here's the real deal. Verses 13 through 17. If you'll take the seven braids of my hair and weave them into the fabric on a loom and tighten them with a pin, then I'll be completely helpless. What a weird thing. But Delilah puts Samson to bed. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I want to say to him, God, can't you catch on to this? Every morning you wake up, there's a bunch of Philistines in your bedroom, don't you? But no, no, he didn't care. I mean, this was one big game. He was having fun. He was having a blast. So Delilah takes Samson's hair. She, she weaves it into the fabric. On the, How in the world do you sleep through something like that, number one? I, I, but anyway, she does it. She, she puts the pen in there. She calls the Philistines. Come and get him. What happens? Samson pulls out the pen. He pulls up the entire loom. He, he drives off the Philistines. And Delilah says, how can you even say you love me when you treat me like this now? You've made a fool of me three times. 
And then I love this verse 16. And with such nagging, Delilah prodded Samson day after day until he was sickened to death of it. So we told her everything. And he did. Verse 17. Look at it. No razor has ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite, dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Now, let me give you a little bit of background here. Samson was a Nazarite. And as a Nazarite, he had been set apart for God. And he had taken a vow that he would never drink alcohol, he would stick to a special diet, and he would never, ever cut his hair. Now, the reason why he didn't cut his hair was because that long hair was serving to remind him that he had taken a vow, that he was different, that he had been set apart for God, that he was dedicated to God. See, Samson's strength was not found in his hair. His strength was found in his commitment to God. The problem was he didn't take that commitment seriously. He thought it was all just one big game, And he could play fast and loose with his vows, fast and loose with his commitment. So what happens? Verses 18 through 19. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands, And after putting Samson to sleep in her lap, Delilah called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. How did Samson lose his strength? Through carelessness. He didn't take seriously his vow. He didn't take seriously his God. He didn't take seriously his life. Now, look at verse 20. Then Delilah called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and he thought, well, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. I want to tell you something. This has got to be one of the most tragic, heartbreaking verses in all of God's Word. In all of God's Word. The Spirit of the Lord left Samson and he didn't even know it. He was completely unaware of what was happening in his life until it was too late, and now he was a completely defeated man. Listen to me. Carelessness will weaken your life. You can take it to the bank. Do you know that nobody plans for his or her life to be a failure? It just comes on gradually through carelessness. 
I've never heard a single person say to me, Pastor, I plan to be an alcoholic. That, that was my plan from the beginning. No. It started with that first innocent drink, carelessness. I've never heard anybody say to me, I planned on being addicted to drugs. No. It started with that first experiment, with that gateway drug, with marijuana or something else. Nobody's ever said to me as they sat in my office, Pastor, I want you to know from the beginning of my marriage, I plan to destroy it. No. It started with one little glance, a flirtation, an inappropriate comment, ended in an affair, carelessness. Nobody ever said, I plan to destroy my health. No, it starts with not taking care of your body on a daily basis. It's carelessness. Nobody ever says, I plan to come to the end of my life and look back over it and realize it was a disaster. No, <laughs> nobody plans that. It comes about through carelessness. Would you hear a loving word of counsel this morning from my heart to yours? Life is serious business. Christianity is serious business. This is not a game. It is not something to play around with. We have made a commitment to God and we do not have the time or the luxury to fool around with all these things that aren't important, that are going to destroy our lives, that are going to destroy our testimony, that are going to weaken our witness and are going to rob us of our future. So here's the lesson. Strong people keep their commitments. Strong people keep their commitments. Listen, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, you made a commitment. You said, Jesus, I'm now receiving you as Savior and Lord of my life. I will now live my life for you. I will now follow you. Your passions will become my passions. Your will will become my will. Here is my life. You take it. It is yours. You do what you want to do with my life. Isn't that what you said? Please tell me that's what you said. Because if you didn't say that and mean it, you've never made any kind of commitment to Christ. Because that's what commitment means. You have made a commitment to God and to Christ. And you don't have time. I don't have time for games. We don't have time to waste. This is serious business. And if you don't live like it, I can promise you, you're going to wreck your life. You're going to wreck your future. Strong people keep their commitments. Well, Samuel, excuse me, Samson didn't keep his commitments. He was careless. He wasn't an actor. He was a reactor. He, he lived a life of bitterness and he was self-indulgent, more concerned with what he wanted than with what God wanted. So what happened? Look with me quickly this morning at the tragic results 
of a weak life. We see those results in verse 21 of Judges chapter 16, where it says, Then the Philistines seized Samson. They gouged out his eyes, and they took him down to Gaza. And binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. You remember the prologue to his life? What potential was there? Here's where he ended up. Here's the lesson. Listen to me. Here's the lesson. A person who does not passionately pursue the purposes of God lives a life that is blinding, binding, and grinding. Do you hear that? Blinding, binding, and grinding. That is exactly what happened to Samson. He lost his vision. He lost his freedom. He squandered his potential. And the same thing happens to Christians when we choose to live for ourselves and please ourselves instead of pleasing God. When we spend our time reacting to other people and circumstances instead of acting on God's Word. When we don't take life and our commitment to Christ seriously. When we do that, we lose our ability to see God. We become a prisoner of our circumstances. And we spend our lives going round and round and round in circles, getting nowhere, doing nothing of significance for ourselves, anybody else, or for the kingdom of heaven. It's tragic. And some of you, if you're, if you're very honest this morning, may, may say, you know, I, I can see a little bit of that in me. I've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, I don't know, years. And I don't know that I've ever done anything in my life that was really significant for the sake of the kingdom or for anybody else. Is, is, is that the way you want the rest of your life to be? Do you want your tomorrow and all of the tomorrows after that to be like today? Or are, you, are you satisfied with that? I mean, from what Samson could have been to where he ended up, through self-indulgence, bitterness, carelessness. Well, let me share some good news with you. Because you can't look at the life of Samson, or talk about the life of Samson, without also looking and seeing the story of a God of second chances. A God of second chances. Judges chapter 16, verse 22. Now, this is just a tiny verse, and we might tend to just read over it rather quickly, but it's, it exudes significance. It says this, But the hair on Samson's head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Just a simple statement. The hair on Samson's head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, remember, Samson's strength wasn't found in his hair. It was found in his commitment to God. His hair just represented that commitment to God. But here's what I believe was going on. In that prison, 
not being able to see, shackled, going round and round. This guy had a lot of time to think, and he had a lot of time to reflect on his life, how much of his time he had wasted, how much of his potential he had squandered, and he had a lot of time to think about where he could have been and where he was. And as his hair began to grow again, Samson also began to think, you know, maybe maybe God will give me another chance. Here's the good news of the gospel. Our God is a God of second chances. And sometimes third and fourth and fifth chances. It's an amazing thing. Here's what I believe was happening in that prison. As Samson went round and round and round, as he was reflecting on his life, I believe he was praying. I believe he was repenting. I believe he was getting back into a right relationship with God. I believe he was recommitting his life to God. And as he began to do that, God began to rebuild strength back into Samson's life. So if you read through the story from this point, you'll see that one day the Philistines came and they took Samson out of that prison and they took him to one of their pagan temples where they were going to chain him up and make fun of him and in the process make fun of his God. So they took him into that, into that pagan temple and they, they positioned him between two pillars, two supporting columns uh, of that temple. They didn't know that Samson had been praying. They didn't know that Samson had been recommitting his life. They didn't know that Samson had been getting back on a right track with God. They didn't know know any of that. And as Samson stood there, he began to pray. And look at his prayer here in verse 28 of Judges chapter 16. He prayed to the Lord and he said, O sovereign Lord, remember me, O God. Please strengthen me just once more. And God did that. And Samson began to push on those columns and with every ounce of his strength and with every fiber of muscle he could muster, he pushed and he pushed until he pushed those columns out. The ceiling collapsed. And over 3,000 Philistines were killed. It was the greatest victory in terms of the Philistines of Samson's life. But the victory came so late. And Samson lost his life as well. I want you to listen to me this morning. If you're here this morning in, in, in this room or you're hearing my voice today or if you're listening sometime later this week, If you're in the sound of my voice this morning, would you understand this? God is giving you another chance. Take it now. Don't wait until it's as late as it can be. God can redeem so many things in your life today, right now, if you will deal with those things right now. You might be here this morning thinking, preacher, you just don't know. I have blown it in so many kinds of ways. I've made a mess of my life financially, physically, morally, relationally, spiritually. 
Maybe you're here this morning, you're addicted to something, alcohol, drugs, pornography. You've had a broken marriage or two or three. You're you're sitting here thinking, how could God ever change this? How could God ever use me? I'm going to ask you three questions, and I'll be through. I want you to hear them. Number one, what's out of control in your life? What's out of control in your life right now? It might seem insignificant to you right now. Maybe you can excuse it. Maybe you can rationalize it. Maybe nobody else but you and God knows about it, but it's there. That little leak will eventually sink your ship, my friend. It will wreck your life. Will you do something about it this morning? Number two, who are you resentful against? Who do you harbor bitterness toward? Who is it when you think about that person? You still get angry. You you, you still feel your blood boiling inside of you. Listen, people live with that kind of junk for years. Bitterness will weaken your life. It will make you a reactor instead of an actor. It will drain the strength from your life. It will make you a weak person. Will you give that anger to God this morning? Will you give that bitterness to Him this morning? Number three, what are you committed to, really? What are you committed to, really? Are you taking God seriously today, or are you in a rather casual relationship with Him? You know, are you taking life seriously, or is it all just a game? Yeah, God on Sunday. Me, Monday through Saturday. Everything else Monday through Saturday. Will you you refresh that commitment this morning? Stick to it? Listen, whether it's self-indulgence or bitterness or carelessness, it will make you a weak person. You can change that today. You can find new strength today. You can find a new purpose and a new mission today. But the choice is yours. I read something this week. It's not in your message guide because I'd already turned it in after I read it. By one of my favorite authors and preachers, a black pastor by the name of Tony Evans. And I'll I'll have to paraphrase this for you because I, I don't have it written in front of me. But the truth goes something like this. God is good. He is so good. But He is not obligated to make your life good if you make bad choices. He is not obligated to make your life good if you make bad choices. You may be here this morning and thinking, Pastor, I need such a change in my life right now. I know it. Listen, that change is not going to come independently of the principles and the precepts of this book. You can't just come to God and say, God, make my life better if you're not willing to follow His Word. So I don't know where you are this morning and where you find yourself in your life. I don't know when we have ever needed more than today some strong people. Not, not physically. I'm strong enough physically, you know, Ruth tells me. But spiritually, we need some strong people spiritually. In our church, in our nation, and among the nations.
Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Lord, help us this morning to learn from the mistakes of others before we make the same mistakes in our own lives. Lord, keep us from being self-indulgent. May we always ask God, what do you want instead of what do I want? God, what pleases you instead of what pleases me? Lord, keep us from living lives of reacting rather than acting, becoming bitter because of other people or circumstances instead of acting on the truths of your word. Father, help us to realize that this life is intensely precious. You have only given us a small slice of time, a tiny increment of life. It is not a game. Help us to keep our commitment to you that we might become the kind of strong people that our homes, our churches, our culture so desperately needs. Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning. Now, would you move by your spirit in this time of commitment is the prayer that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing together in just a moment, uh, in, enter into this time of commitment. And if God has spoken to your heart in some way and you need to make some decision, we recognize the COVID protocols and you just may feel most comfortable staying right where you are. If you need to come to the altar, there's plenty of room to spread out up here. I've got a mask here. If there's something you want to share with me, if I can pray with you, we, we will do that this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never made that first commitment of life to Him, then, then really you are just going round and round in circles, no matter how good you may think your life is. You'll never plug into your ultimate fulfillment, purpose, meaning in life until you plug into God's purpose for your life. And the only way you can do that is to plug into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him this morning, we'd love to introduce him to you. And you can begin that journey. You just come take my hand, say, Pastor, I, I need Christ in my life. And we'll, we'll walk you through that. Maybe you're looking for a church home, a church family. You've been waiting. Well, you know, they're without a pastor in an interim time. What a great encouragement. If God's leading you here, just come on today. A new pastor's on the way. And, uh, this would be a great time to unite with this church family. Maybe it's at the point of the message you need to respond. But however God's speaking to you, would you join me in standing? And as we sing, if you need to respond in any way, where you are or up here at the front, you come as we sing together.